Welcome to the virtual coffee break with the MSU Extension Dairy Team. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Martin Mangual and I'm a dairy educator in West Michigan. In today's episode, educator Phil Durst will visit with Brent Wilson, a dairy farmer from Mid Michigan. They will be discussing steps the farm takes to achieve excellent quality milk. So Phil, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Martin, and thank you, Brent. It's good to be here with you. I always enjoy being here. Um, there's always things I learn at being at your farm. So, uh, first of all, why don't you just describe the farm uh, to us? Oh, this is Wilson Centennial Farm. Our family settled here in 1851, and amazingly, every generation has continued on. Yeah. And now we have the seventh generation and our grandchildren here. That's an amazing heritage. Yeah. And so... Whenever you talk about sustainability, first of all, we've had the family being sustainable. And second of all, uh, we've had animals here for better than 120 years that I know of. And the amazing thing about sustainability is our our yields are going up, our milk yields are going, our yields on our crops, our milk yields are going up. And so it's an exciting time uh, when you have your family involved uh, in business with you. Right. Growing people and growing organization. There you go. Yeah, that's that's important. So, how many cows do you milk here? Uh, we're milking about 850 right now. We have 950 cows with okay. some dry cows. All right. Recently, you uh, were a National Platinum Quality Award winner. Is that important to you? Well, I got started in this program. I used to read to Horde's Dairyman, and I would skip over those pages because my somatic cell count was a little too high. I looked at it and I'm going, what are these people doing? So then I had the opportunity uh, to go to the National Mastitis Conference 10 or 12 years ago, and I thought, wouldn't it be nice if I could get my somatic cell count down below 100? Well, then our dairy co-op offers a premium and a step basis so if you're at 100, or if you're at 75, you get paid a little more. Right. I got to doing figuring, and if I could get it below 75,000, I thought, I'm gonna shoot for that. Mm-hmm. And I also discovered that while I was on the board of Michigan Milk, most everybody gets the PI count and the raw count. I just decided that we were going to work on that project. While I'm in the barn, sure that, that the bolt tanks turned on right. and that it's washing. You know, you've got the charts you check. I walk around in the parlor with a CMT kit. Before any cow goes into the bulk tank, she's checked with a CMT kit. So that's after freshening, every cow is checked, right? For and antibiotics, hef- heifers too, or just, or just cows? Oh, heifers. You'd be amazed. I'll get two or three out of 10 that'll come in with just a little slight case. And those are fun to treat, you know. They clear up right away, yeah. it's amazing. So this this passion for quality milk is, is certainly related to um, the bonus that you get. Um, but I, I hear more than just getting the premium. Well, let's face it, when you get your milk check, guess what they have? Oh, we're getting paid really good price for protein and and we were getting paid a really good price like half our milk check was butter fat yeah but they have what they call 
a market adjustment fee or a market destination fee, which runs better than 50000 a month here. And I'm going, what in the world do we have to pay that for? Well, we are so efficient in Michigan, and this is such a great place to dairy, that we keep oversupplying the market. And we have to ship milk out of the state. So we have these destination charges. Well, to market that milk, it has to be top superior quality. Because the consumer wants a high quality product. And the consumer is interested in, in something that they don't have to worry about spoiling. They don't have to worry about bad taste. They want something that tastes good every time they go to the store. They want a long shelf life. Yeah. And it all is rolled up in the quality of the milk going out of here. So milk quality is important to you. You set some goals in order to capture the, the highest premium available to you. You've reached those goals. Your somatic cell count in, was, in fact, below 75,000, and you're maintaining it that way. And one of the ways you maintain it, of course, is by checking cows before they go in the bulk tank to see if, if they have any mastitis or not so on a subclinical basis because obviously you haven't seen anything at that point, but you want to check. This farm is milking 900 cows. You milk in the mornings, but milkings are primarily done by employees. Mm -hmm. How important are the employees in achieving high-quality milk? Well, we do have employee evaluations. We have Spanish-speaking employees. We have another group leader from a farm down by uh, St. John's that comes up here and leads these meetings generally quarterly. Okay. Okay, and we talk about different issues. We learned long ago that when we have a sick cow and they find, they tell us that we go thank you for finding this cow. Right. Otherwise, they think they're to blame for it. Yeah. You know, we're on it. And, uh, and now, if they tell me a cow didn't give any milk and they write it on board or... When we do DHI test, I have the hot sheet. I get that the next day. I'm right out there going and finding that cow or cows. And there's always one or two every month that I didn't know she had subclinical. Right. But she's over a million somatic cell counts. And when you get your hot sheet, you can tell. If you start out at 68,000, mm -hmm. well, you take her out. You know, we average about one case of mastitis per week. Clinical yeah. mastitis. Yeah which just on 900 cows is acceptable, but I want to get it lower than that. So we vaccinate, we do a this, lot of things. This, to this, this, this drive to, to eliminate problems, the drive to, to really yeah. get to, to the state of, of not having those problems. I think that's terrific because I think that's really what's fueled you in a lot of areas of this farm is the drive to eliminate problems, not to tolerate them, but to eliminate them. We have 50-inch wide free stalls, plenty of lunch space, 16-foot, you know, head-to-head -head stalls and a two-row barn. And so the stalls are so long, so we have manure in the, end, in the back of the stalls. Right. So we have to get that scraped out. We put lime down. But the exciting part is when I go up to the high group and I look on DHIA and every one of those cows, the whole, the whole group there, 188, 90 cows, are 120 pounds a cow. Right. Okay, and those are your older cows. They've withstood the test of time, and those are making money for yeah. you. Certainly, mastitis control is one of the ways that we retain animals in the herd. We keep them in the herd because they're they've been healthy and um, and they obviously survive. 
So your employees are key to this. You've trained them to be able to identify animals that are um, sick in some way, mm-hmm. um, that are not normal. You, you've, mm-hmm. you've taught them that uh, to look for things in the animals. You've taught them to look at the milk production and compare it to, to what they usually do. And you've taught them to look at, at how they walk and, and, and all those things. So that's, that's really important because you know, what you've achieved is, is working through employees, passion for quality, and that they're with you as partners in that. And you mentioned the barns because it's not just what happens in the parlor, it's what happens in the barns, it's what happens all steps of the process in the life of the animal in achieving the quality. So you've got deep bedded uh, large stalls and, and I know that cow comfort is, is very important on this farm as well too. Uh, are there other things that are important uh, in, in animal care that uh, play into milk quality? I have, st- I have a stethoscope and a thermometer every morning every night I make my rounds to the fresh group. You know, I check heifers for heat, I check any other cows as there as I'm passing through a group and see if who's in heat or something, I mark them down. Um, but I'm right on top of the uh, fresh cows. They're usually in the fresh group up to 30 days and some of the frailer cows are even in there longer. We try to forestall any problems we have with the fresh group. Mm-hmm. And then we're on a strict vaccine protocol. Mm-hmm. We vaccinate for coliform mastitis. We vaccinate for BVD, PI3, you know, all of those. But by vaccinating for E. coli mastitis, what we can expect is that you would have less severe cases of it when you have cases of it, so that you don't lose animals. And, and that's pretty critical because uh, losing animals is a, is a total loss. Of there are people that have a lot lower somatic cell count than me and lower bacteria counts, which mine was 2,000 average for all of last year, but there are people that average 1,200, mm-hmm. you know. But my biggest fear is I'll get a, a hot case of coliform mastitis. We use Obsync protocol out here, and I would prefer cows if they wouldn't come in heat because they're milking so heavy. When we start them out on day 62 to 60 or 70, and then they come in heat and I'm going, no, you know, don't, don't. So, unfortunately with vaccines, we do get coliform mastitis. We use a special teat, post teat dip, and we make sure those teat ends are clean, but the cows are biological animals, you're gonna get periodically some cases. Fortunately, the cases of E. coli we have, we're able to control it, get on top of it, and some of them will even eventually clear up. But one of the questions that they ask you on the National Mastitis Quality Award is how many did you lose on your farm with mastitis? They want to know how many you sold for mastitis. I think we had 10 or 12. But how many did you lose? And we didn't lose any. That's a remarkable record. So if you want to go up further with a National Milk Quality Award, you need to really look at the health traits to make sure that you're on top of these things and the cows don't go so far down. Right. And it's not just about winning awards, of course. It's about herds that are profitable and productive because we know that as we retain those animals in the herd, when we don't have to call them, when we don't lose them to to death, that... uh, it's much more profitable that way. Yeah, of the 320 cows that we culled last year, 
which is a 30% call rate, uh, we're full up, first of all. Mm -hmm. But over 200 of those were from low production. That's the position you want to be in, is to be able to call for voluntary reasons rather than involuntary. You know, you don't want to have to go, well, when did I treat her last? I'm so sick of treating her, I'm going to get rid of her. No, it's because you treated her, you're milking three quarters, dumping one, and you do that for a couple, three months, she doesn't keep climbing in milk, she goes the wrong way. Yeah. And so, you know, I can about tell you, if a cow gets mastitis in the first 30 days, by the time six months from now, she probably won't be around. Right. You know, we're going to take care of her. You know, we're charged as stewards of the cows. There's times I want to go, I don't want to mess with this cow. But you got to be stewards of the animals. Yeah. you got to do what's best for her right. and try to get her to recover. And so, But you've made, been able to maintain a very low number of those animals so that yes. you don't have to, to have the frustrations of dealing with the disease. You mentioned uh, cleaning teat ends, and I know that the teat end itself is very important, certainly in, in mastitis of the animal, but it's also something that your employees understand, that the teat end itself is, is where the action needs to be. And we can evaluate that. Um, we have, we culture, okay? We don't have on-farm culturing. We send all the samples into the lab. And, you know, I got the usual suspects, E. coli, strep non-ag, mm -hmm. uh, but then candida, yeast shows up. Where is this from? Well, guess what? The teeth wasn't clean. Okay, I want a handy wipe, and I want that thing spotlessly clean when you inject that or infuse that cow's mm -hmm. teat in. Yeah, and I think so often on, on some farms that we actually uh, end up infecting a lot of cows at our treatment time, and that's obviously not what we want to do. You know, the treatment is, is supposed to be a positive thing and not a negative thing, and it all depends on the cleanliness of that teat end. Now, the other thing I wanted to bring up, Phil, we selectively dry cow treat. How do we do that? Well, I look at the history of every cow on PC DART and I say, what was her somatic cell count for her whole lactation? If I find anybody that had a, a raise in the count, then I treat her, okay? And usually we dry off between 12 and 15 every week. And usually six or seven of those, we don't dry treat, okay? Six or seven out of, out of, how many did you say? Four, 12 out to 15. Of, okay, so 40% of them you're not dry treating. No, and it is recommended that you put a, a teat sealant in there, such as Orbiseal or something. Well, guess what? If she's immune to everything going on around here, just put that red coat of dip on her and don't infuse her with anything. I figure she's made it through... 300, 320 days lactation <clears throat> without getting mastitis. I'm not going to stick some Orbiseal in there without any antibiotics. Now, we do use a teat sealant on any cow that we treat. Mm -hmm. And we go right after some of them. You know, that we it's a cow that we really want to keep around here. And she's been a really good somatic, a high somatic cell count cow, you know. So obviously you monitor things, you, uh, 
you use the DHI hot sheet. You're obviously testing, you're culturing animals as they come in. Um, and so when, it, when you selectively dry treat, then you, you're still checking the animal as she freshens again the next time. Oh, that's, that's yeah. important. I, I want to know if we screwed up and didn't dry treat this cow, we should have. Yeah. You know. And I think maybe once in this last year, I, I have to go look it up, but I've had one cow calve with some problems in her left front quarter. And that cow did clear up. I, I just This morning I just checked her. You know, it was her second calf. So you've achieved these things because you set your mind to it and your practices to it. What would you say to other farmers who may be running higher semantic cell count uh, that you've learned? Where does the dollar eighty this last month out of your milk check go? Okay, it goes to move milk, but it also is put in a big pool. And out of that pool, since we don't have any premiums in the market to speak of anymore, we take out quality premiums, we take out out of the pool and we pay. And we take out quality premiums for PI, raw, somatic cell count. And where do they get that money to pay us farmers? They get it by from the pool where all the proceeds of the milk. The dairies don't pay for it. The dairies expect quality milk every day. And so if you want to get a little more money back out of the market adjustment fee, that's one way. And you believe that everybody can achieve the same kind of things that you've achieved? I just went to the National Mastitis Conference and I've heard how horrible it is to get your somatic cell count below 400. Mm -hmm. And we were down there and now I realized they freshen all their cows in the fall. I mean, who wants to have a cow, a Holstein cow freshen in July through September? You know, it's horrible. But every one of the dairies we went to, including the University of Florida, were all below 250. So it could be done down there where it's the worst case scenario. It's hot and muggy all the time, you know. And so uh, there are ways what we can do to get your counts done. And but in a time of low margins. It begins margins, with a commitment. It begins with a decision. With the low margins, you know, it's a commitment. Well, we're going we're gonna to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, because sometime we're going to have <laughs> a decent return, yeah. you know, for our labors. You wouldn't think so right now. It's just moving that way. But, uh, but you as know, long people as we are keep, going to eat. Yeah, as long as we know. keep producing quality products that people learn to love and learn the, the value of, then uh, there's hope for the industry because, indeed, uh, people return to quality time and time again. So... Brett, thank you very much for the opportunity to be with you today. Um, congratulations not only on, on what you achieve in, in, in producing excellent quality milk and, and on your award, the National Platinum Quality Award, but uh, congratulations on, on just uh, your success as a, as, as a dairy producer. And, and that's, I know you'll never say that you, you've arrived, but your continued effort to become uh, better and better all the time, because that's what I see is, is just a continued drive to do that. So thank you very much for the time together today. Thank you, Phil. We would like to thank Brent Wilson and Phil for a great conversation today. We would also like to thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can receive past and future episodes. Join us next week when educator Stan Moore will talk with South Michigan farmers about a dairy school in Israel.
So please join us then.